So, uh, welcome to episode four of Mixtape Mixtape Memories. Memories. We're we're really moving (laughs) along here. It's exciting. Uh, I'm Jenners. I'm Matt Hart Spade. And uh, we'll be talking about a bunch of nostalgia this week. Yes. (laughs) That's so much for you. Yes. Um, You you noticed earlier this week that Broken Social Scene are doing a big tour. Yes. Yes. Or uh, at least they're coming back to yes. uh, Webster Hall. Yeah. Um, or And Webster Hall is returning again. Yes, everything's back. <laughs> Everything is returning. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just thinking about Broken Social Scene made me think of that era in music where every band had like 10, 11 members in it. <laughs> it was really a thing. <laughs> and it was like, why? What is everyone doing in the band? <laughs> You'd have one guy on tambourine. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were always some pe- people that were totally unnecessary. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, but I remember it was so nonchalantly expressed, like uh, the 17 piece collective from wherever. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not, <laughs> that's a little odd. Yeah. That's like a, club or something not yeah like a band <laughs> but um yeah i wonder i wonder if they're still a big band like a big member band or if they've uh slimmed down over the years oh broken social scene yeah. i don't know i don't know i haven't thought about them in a bit but i mean obviously some of the earlier albums i was you know big fan of and i think they headlined siren festival many 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 years ago yeah uh, I think and that so. was a good set yeah yeah um yeah, and yeah. they had lots of good offshoots too from that band. What like Feist? Well, Feist, yeah. Well, Feist broke out in a big way. Yeah, and um, I mean the other big one that I remember was Arcade Fire. Yes, I don't know for some reason I think a lot of Canadian bands were like. <laughs> I wonder what that was about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure, but um. Yeah, and I remember, like, people being, like, the first time I saw Arcade Fire, like, I didn't know what to think, Mm because it was, like, I think it was at Mercury Lounge, Uh, it was before they kind of broke, and everybody, like, tons of people were at the show, Um, they were getting a lot of buzz, and then I just remember being, like, holy shit, there's so many people in that band. (laughs) Particularly I didn't know where to look, stage. you know, it's like someone banging like the ceiling, yeah. <laughs> like another person jumping over here and like, you know, shaking a tambourine or a rattle or something. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> How was that early show? Because I feel like I've seen photos from that Mercury Lounge gig, but I was not there. I didn't yeah. see them till I think they played Webster maybe a couple months after mm. that. Yeah. I mean, they... It was insane. It was just, and I think nobody knew what they were in for. Mm-hmm. So when they saw like all these people just kind of going crazy on this tiny stage, um, I think people were excited and like they, you know, and that the buzz built up from that mm-hmm. performance, mm-hmm. I think, because like the next time they were around, they were on tour with Hidden Cameras, mm-hmm. and Hidden Cameras was the headliner Mm. uh on that tour but by the time it got to new york they flipped the order and arcade fire was the headliner Mm -hmm. and hidden cameras 
uh, was the main support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only remember that because the band I worked with, Dirty on Purpose, was like the opener. <laughs> so uh-huh, uh-huh. I was at first excited that they were going to be right before Arcade Fire. But then once the lineup switched, <laughs> I was like, OK. Well, <laughs> although I love hidden cameras. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. But it was just like one of those tours where the the you know main support got way more popular than the headline the original headliner i remember back in the day there was a show at bowery and i i assume this was a full tour i think it was um clap your hands say yeah speaking mm-hmm. of throwback mm-hmm. fans um they were touring with the national and the national was touring behind alligator mm-hmm. um which is probably the last national album i really was into many 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 moons ago but uh, i recall clap your hands was on before the national at bowery and so many people left and really threw me. Yeah. And um, it's so funny now because the national is this gigantic band, yeah. which I don't fully understand, but I mean, good for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one of those bills where it seems like the opener grabbed all this attention and then people were like done. Yeah. <laughs> That's just shows you how like the trend, like, um, you know, a trendy band can um, kind of, all of a sudden overtake another band mm-hmm. um, out of the blue. And I'm, I can't imagine how awkward that is <laughs> when yeah. you're on tour with a band and like everyone leaves because your opener just got bigger than you. <laughs> like, it's so weird. You know, that was also a time of weird band names. And I always thought like, oh, yeah, we didn't even bring that up in previous episodes. But no. every band had wolf or remember they were like the buzz terms. Yes. Bear, wolf. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so many things. It was always just like. Um... It was weirdly repetitive, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand how there were so many bands with bear. I mean, there was Grizzly Bear, mm-hmm. who obviously took off in a major way. Bear in Heaven. Yeah. Um, I. I I, I don't even. Yeah, know. I I feel like a lot of them kind of uh, escaped my, my brain out, capacity probably. and fizzled out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like thinking Vampire Weekend was like a really weird name for a band. Yeah. Um, I also thought Doctor Dog was a really weird mm-hmm. name for a band, but these bands like took off. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you so, never know. <laughs> but going back to Arcade Fire and and Broken Social Scene, I feel like there were quite a few bands back in the day that had so many members. Some of them still exist, but a lot of them kind of fizzled or, or ended mm-hmm. um one that we i think are both surprised is still happening is the polyphonic spree yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't know they were still together i mean I, you would just think that that would be like a hard band to keep together mm-hmm. but they probably don't have any original members other than the one guy. yeah probably just tim <laughs> who was in tripping daisy oh my god <laughs> yeah. speaking of memories um yeah. And w- didn't he have something to do with like Waterloo Records? Yes, he did. Like he, he did founded it, or he was know. involved in some sense. He was involved in some sense. Yeah, I remember seeing Polyphonic Spree though back in the day when the first album was out, and and I I was moved by some of the earlier shows, but I very quickly was like, this is so gimmicky, and um, I don't know, it became almost culty. I remember seeing them. It might have been Summer Stage. It was in Central Park, and freaking john cameron mitchell came out oh and they freaking sang we're gonna box really i I lost my shit (laughs) (laughs) and i think that was my coolest like i never thought they were cool Mm -hmm, (laughs) actually mm -hmm. but when john cameron mitchell came out and sang with them i was like 
maybe they're cool. Maybe they're just cool. for that one thing. Um, but then, like, I think I maybe saw them at Warsaw the last time. Maybe. Yeah, I think I saw them once at Warsaw, and then I, I want to say the Virgin Mega Store that used to exist uh, in the East Village. Oh wow. Um, or was it a tower? Forget on East Fourth on the corner. Oh, that was tower. It was tower. Excuse me. Uh, I saw them do an uh, album signing there and a performance. The album signing took forever because 24 members had a sign. I can't imagine them performing at a Tower yeah, Records. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who, like, did they all sign? They the all record? signed the album. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a CD. It was, it was like pre vinyl crazy. So that must have taken forever. <laughs> they had to be pre signed, those. Yeah, those they should have done that. <laughs> I kind of want to dig that up in my archive, see if oh I still gosh. have it somewhere. You should. Yeah. yeah. We could do that some episode. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th- what you were mentioning, uh, John Cameron Mitchell coming out to, for the polyphonic spree, I remember seeing Arcade Fire at Summer Stage. Mm. Uh, I think on it was either the Funeral Tour or maybe Neon Bible. I don't remember. Way back. And Bowie came out and sang. Um, <sighs> oh, goodness. I forget which Bowie song it was. Anyway, he sang with them, and I was like, okay, this is a moment now where I understand that they've reached a certain level of success, but they have, they're really going to be gigantic, gigantic. Well, like, that show where they were playing with hidden cameras at Bowery, all I remember from that show is how everyone was like, David Bowie is here. David Byrne is here. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. both Davids were there. (laughs) (laughs) Both David B's were there. Yes, yes. And sometimes that's how you knew a band was cool, if David Byrne or David Bowie were at their show. Um, Then you'd be like, huh, that's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it must have come full circle for them to actually perform with him. Yeah. 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 Um, there were some other bands, though, that had a lot of members. And I remember this one called I'm from Barcelona. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I know that they played one of those pool parties at McCarran Park mm. um, that were so big. the Those Jelly NYC parties in the mid 2000s. I uh, love those parties. Those were really way. fun. <laughs> um, and they I honest, I don't even think they headlined. I want to feel like they were one of the openers. But that band had at least. I don't even know, 17, 20 members. And I do recall while they were in town, because they weren't from New York, um, they were from somewhere in Western Europe. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. But they played Southpaw, which is a venue that no longer exists in Brooklyn and Park Slope. They couldn't all fit on the stage. So they were were interspersed in the crowd. I mean, and I, I don't feel like that wasn't a very tiny stage either. So no. like, you can just imagine. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But they were fun. Um, and I think I recall they had a song called We're From Barcelona, even though they were not from Barcelona. So <laughs> that was kind of weird. <laughs> Typical uh, indie irony. There, yeah, I guess. You know? that, was the, that was the pinnacle of... Uh, of all of that. Oh my gosh. And then new pornographers are still a thing. Although I think Nico, Nico case is officially like out of the band now. Oh, I think. okay. Um, but they still they have a ton of members and they still tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're still kicking. Some of these acts are still going. Yeah. At it, you know, I mean, you have to be a pretty big band to like in popularity to kind of sustain that kind of financial exactly. strain on you to have like a bunch of members. Um, because that's not easy to tour with. No. And then, um, and then, of course, there's Chick, Chick, Chick. Yeah, and they're still going. Our favorite. Um, yeah. I mean, they exclamation were. Exclamation point band. Yes. <laughs> Which so many people had challenging time uh, 
uh, <laughs> saying out loud, trying to figure out what to say, you know? <laughs> I know. Like, I wonder if people still, like, the, like people who are, like, maybe just coming across them mm-hmm. now, like, I wonder if they're confused. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, I mean, at this point, they've been around for so long, like, two decades. If people don't know who they are yeah. by now, it's not going to happen. It took me a really long time to get into Chick, Chick, Chick. Mm-hmm. Like, for a while, I hated them. Mm-hmm. And, like... I, you know, as a blogger who is always in the front taking photos and like, you know, supporting bands and stuff like they were one of those bands that like did not want photography. In fact, they like heck would heckle the photographers and like throw water uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> at them. And, you know, at the time I like, you know, hated that about them but now it's like looking back i kind of understand totally now everyone's taking photos at the show Mm -hmm. and it is kind of annoying when um like when no one's like you want people in the front to be like living in the moment Mm -hmm. so you could feed off that energy so Mm -hmm. i kind of understand it now but at the time i was really bratty and like was like why don't they want me to take their photo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like um but, you know, I think the turning moment for me was when they did, I feel like it was a New Year's Eve show. Yeah, I was, it was at Mercury Lounge? Mercury Lounge. I went to that. Yeah. yeah. And I was hanging out with Shara Sprecker. Um, uh-huh. And um, she, I don't know, that night we, like, uh, that was the turning point for me, mm-hmm. like, uh, that show. And whatever they did, it just clicked for Mm -hmm. me. And then all of a sudden I was like having fun. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe I put down the camera. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It could be a lesson for people nowadays, too. Yeah. And um, and ever since then, I just thought that they were really fun uh, to to watch and to dance to. And, um, you know, Nick is like just so funny in his little shorts oh my goodness and his moves <laughs> and his yeah. moves his dancers <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you can call them moves but you know what he's super enter- he's super entertaining so entertaining yeah i haven't seen them in a few years but um but i mean they always put on a fun show oh you know it's just how it is and um they always had like a a bunch of band members and you know a little rotating cast there but um but overall, like, you know, a fun band. And they were part of that indie dance movement, if, if you will, yeah. uh, in New York at that time. Because not everyone fell into that boat, but they really did. And they kind of combined, um, I want to say even disco influences with punk, with typical New York 70s kind mm-hmm. of uh, downtown CBGB kind of culture. It was kind of a nice mix of everything, plus something modern. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get New Yorkers to dance, Mm -hmm. and they did. They got people dancing. Mm -hmm. So, like, kudos to them for getting people dancing. Yes, kudos to Chick, Chick, Chick. (laughs) Uh, For dancing and still dancing. Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, another band that uh, we have fond memories of from that time that got people dancing is The Fever. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. The Fever. Which who I haven't thought of in some time. But um, I I remember seeing them a few times at Bowery and then, of course, smaller venues as well. Um, and I got to say, quickly revisiting their bigger singles. Those were some jams. Yes. You know? Oh, my God. I like just how, like, raw and, like, 
rock and roll they were and it, it was it was a different kind of dance right it's mm-hmm. like that kind of um you know that velvet underground song rock and roll it's like she started dancing to that five five music that's kind of like what i think of when i think of the fever it's mm-hmm. just like good old rock and roll mm-hmm. and you're dancing to it but i remember being at like a fever show and uh, being up front and getting hit in the face with a microphone stand. Oh, no. <laughs> but that was fun to me. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I'd probably be like, what the hell? <laughs> it made for a good story to write about. Yes, maybe. <laughs> it yeah. made for a good story. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of haphazards that would happen if you were in the front. Exactly, show. exactly. But they were like kind of in like a cool kids club mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. Someone just told me that maybe Blue Sparks, which who were always playing with the Fever back mm-hmm. then, might reunite too. Okay. I think maybe Mercury Lounge is like putting together all these like 25 year reunion shows. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, Doug told me, Doug from Dirty on Purpose told me that they were approached <laughs> to play. But wow. like, he was like, George and Joe haven't picked up with guitars since like that. Um, they played. They they reunited once for a death when Death by Audio was closing, mm-hmm. and they played that show. But then they haven't picked up instruments since then. Oh, <laughs> so. But it's interesting to see like um, all these bands kind of coming back together. Yeah. Um. So I wonder if the fever will happen. That would be cool. I mean, and I feel like if it if it were to happen, even if it only happens in New York for one night, that's. Uh, kind of enough because that's where all the fans are or, or totally. were. You know. Yeah. And they're probably still here if they haven't like moved to L.A. or exactly. something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good band from back then. Also, I for some reason, when I think of the fever, um, I think of the bravery. Do you remember them? Oh, my gosh. The <laughs> because bravery. they were kind of dancey and buzzy, but also a total joke, I feel. Yeah. They be, kind of became the butt of the joke because um, I feel like their look was so forced and it was trying so hard to be like combination emo meets new wave meets like mm-hmm. hipster supreme. It was, I don't know. But they had a couple songs that I guess were fine. But they were really trying their hardest to like break through to the mainstream. You know, Oddly, I think they were like a band that got more popular than any of these like kind of more substantial mm-hmm. bands, which I don't know, just goes to show you sometimes it's like very superficial. Whenever I think of the bravery, I think of, I think I was at Mercury Lounge. This is a, all goes back to Mercury Lounge, folks. <laughs> um, that was like pretty much where I lived back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, I might have worked with a band that maybe played with them, or mm-hmm. maybe I, I don't know. For some reason, I was like near a dressing room, and I just remember them exiting the the, the bathroom of the dressing room, and just like a haze of um, hairspray smoke. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> coming out of the bathroom and you're just like that pretty much sums up the bravery for exactly me. <laughs> exactly a lot of hairspray a lot of hairspray everything was shiny everything that. was shiny <laughs> but what about the stills I uh, the sti- think- now the stills i used to dance to but i feel like their music was a lot more serious yes um and i feel like they didn't necessarily sound similar but perhaps they were put in the same boat as someone like interpol mm. um just because it was it was like dark and- dark yeah um, good-looking front men, whatever. But uh, right, but right. they were great, and I I really loved their initial EP, which had like 
so many remixes of Still in Love. For some reason, I remember that. Mm. And then when the full album came out, I thought it was really, really strong. Yeah, no, I think uh, Logic will break your heart. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. of course. But yeah, and I know you don't remember them, but I also think of moving units when I think mm. of this. Uh, and they were more L.A. Mm-hmm. dance band kind of scene. So a little bit more about like maybe what they were wearing, but like still good songs. And I I, I don't know. I want to say they're still kicking. Still kicking? OK. But maybe maybe they died in the past few years. <laughs> <laughs> As a band. As a band. <laughs> No, they haven't. They haven't reached the, um, you know, that that kind of end. Yes. yes. <laughs> Back then, also, like labels were still a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like if you, um, uh, if you're listening to like Kamado Records, like, you know, the Fever, Elephant, like um, Diamond Knights, they all had like a very particular sound. Yeah. Yeah. What other labels were around back then? That... Well, I mean, I always think of running around from show to show with Leo Canine, who's still kicking. You know, Canine is like such a good one yeah. because he has such a good track record. Of picking yeah, bands. he put out um, the first Grizzly Bear album before it was re-released. Yeah, the first Chairlift album. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, what else? Uh, he, I just feel like he really had his finger on the pulse surfer blood before they were huge i think he still does yeah like i think he's really good at picking bands and actually like at the panel that he he moderated that panel at new colossus that Mm -hmm. was talking about the relevancy of indie labels and he told the story about how he signed uh grizzly bear and it was like some some person that he was friends with just gave him this email address and was like you have to email this person Mm -hmm. and like they were the only band I think that he signed without ever seeing them. Mm. Um, and he said something like uh, that Ed had told him, like, I'm going to be famous, so you, you just need to sign me. <laughs> you need Basically. to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, you just need to sign me, and I, I'm guaranteeing you I'm going to be famous. And now he's on, well, you know. Well, now, yeah. <laughs> now he is famous. <laughs> well, yeah, and, has, and not only that, but, like, super well-respected. Mm-hmm. Um, indie band for the last decade or 15 years even. Yeah. You know, so um, he was right, I guess. Yeah. He Cocky was... maybe, but he was right. And I mean, sometimes you need, like, I think to be like a big star, you have to have a little bit of cockiness mm-hmm. or like at least confidence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and really, you have to believe that you'll make it. Otherwise, you'll only maybe push yourself so far. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you have to be crazy to be successful? Uh, I don't know if it's necessary, but maybe somewhat partially. Mm-hmm. I also feel particularly with Grizzly Bear, they, their sound evolved so much that, mm. um, what they were putting out initially versus what they put out by album two or three was a lot more, uh, accessible and huge sounding and people were more drawn to it because the earlier stuff is a lot more sparse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think they were smart about, um, building the sound, Yeah, you know, and not mm. just sticking to the same thing over and over. Right. But then again, I mean, and no disrespect to The National, but that's a band for me that's put out the same song and the same album now for a long time, and they're still huge. So, you know, that also works for some acts. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't even tell you a National song, to be honest, but um, never quite got into them. I think I was, it was because, like, I always compared them to The Walkman. Uh uh The Walkman would always win for me. Yeah, yeah. So if I was going to choose, like, a serious kind of whatever 
tall white guy band to follow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was them. It was the Walkman, yeah. Um, and maybe I was comparing them because at some point they had the same manager. Mm-hmm, <laughs> no, mm-hmm. so I was comparing them, but like, uh, um, yeah, they got huge. And oh God! I just yeah. don't understand. There's so many bands I don't understand, like why they got huge. Um, I think with the National in particular, their fan base now is super broy and like. That's so weird. Yeah, like khaki wearing like frat boy types. You know, it's kind of over. Um, at least it is for me. Uh, maybe it's not for the general public, but it's kind of over when I start seeing frat boys mm-hmm. um, at a show. Like I remember going to see um, Modest Mouse, um, you know, right after Float On was like the big hit or whatever. Course, yeah, it was a big radio single. Yeah. And um, and it was this was at Webster Hall, actually. And um, I was at the show and um, oh, my God, I got cornered at Webster Hall by these frat dudes who were like harassing me oh and um, they act- literally cornered me and I couldn't like escape and then but luckily like one of my friends came, came saw and came over and like kind of like rescued me but it was like I was like oh my god I'm at this modest mouse show wow. being fucking cornered by frat boys like never thought that would happen to me um i never thought i would be at That's a show where that shit. would happen and it was it was scary and i was like this is who's listening to modest mouse like fuck that shit mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. i mean i love modest mouse but like it's weird how it just changes once it becomes um a little mainstream mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and um but uh you know i'll always like the older tracks the of best, course yeah. you know <laughs> So we'll do our repeat and skip segment. Yes. Um, Two classic albums, although one I feel is more legendary and perhaps (laughs) than the other. Let's start with that one, maybe. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, Nirvana, never mind. I mean, we couldn't skip this one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Obviously, such a, a monumental album yeah um uh, you know life-changing album for a lot of people i was a little i have to admit i was a little young when this came out mm-hmm. so i don't have the same connection to it that perhaps some other people do but um i do have fond memories of course and particularly uh some of the singles yeah um and that's kind of why i chose in bloom i feel like that is just such a yes like legendary track um perfect chorus um mm-hmm. you know when i think nirvana um i think of that song first probably and then of course smells like teen spirit but um yeah i love that song so much also i love heart shape but i mean there's so many great nirvana songs but ones that are on this album um probably in bloom i think is my number one yeah i mean um this was um the First CD I ever bought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, it was like that and Boys to Men, Cooley High Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought them at the same time. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so, um, but like, uh, you know, I just remember being in high school and thinking, what is this? Mm-hmm. I, I want this, whatever this is. Mm-hmm. And like, really kind of, um, I mean, do you remember that video for Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah. I mean, like, I remember doing like um, <laughs> a project on uh, like uh, I, we had to put it like a presentation together about like what career do you want to be? And I 
for some reason thought I wanted to be a director and I like played uh, the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit and then like the Weird Al version (laughs) and put them side by side. Uh, And I was like, this is why I want to be a director. (laughs) What was the reaction? I don't know. People were just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, it was like a presentation. No one cared. But um yeah, like, it was just so ingrained in my memory. I mean, Kurt Cobain was, like, a huge influence. I mean, I was definitely, like, a grunge kid mm-hmm. in high school. And, um, you know, I would say, like, over the years, um, Lounge Act, that's my repeat. Mm. I mean, like, there's just something about that track, like, how it kind of starts with, like, this, like, you know, guttural vocal, like, uttering and mm-hmm. then kind of comes into like the track um there's something about it that just spoke to me and so like if i when i used to dj and stuff um i would play lounge act mm-hmm, <laughs> actually mm-hmm. but of course like there's so many hits yeah, on this album yeah. it's, it's like, very hit heavy and like, that was like the craziness of nirvana like it wasn't like they just had one song and a uh, big song and then like a few other tracks like they had so many hits um off this album and all their other albums did you have a what was your skip my skip was uh territorial pissings i think that was that was always a little too much for me (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that that one is a skip i also even though i didn't pick this one as a repeat um i do love uh something in the way i think that's such a beautiful track and um i always love it on an album where there's one or two songs that really stand out as um, breaking from the mold of the rest of the release, mm. and I think that one is a is a good one. And um, yeah, 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 it kind of shows you like a different side mm-hmm. to the band for sure. That's why for for me, when I think Nirvana and and my connection personally with the band, I'm I'm more drawn to the Unplugged, which came out a few years later. I had that on cassette. That mm-hmm. was what I was more drawn to because i was just kind of young when nevermind came out but um yeah i mean there were so many unplugs back then oh yeah i mean Everyone they were like unplugged. so influential well it was also series. like they, it, it, it wasn't just one type of act because you'd have mariah carey singing emotions and and you know uh <laughs> everything else all the early 90s hits and then the following week would be pearl jam so it was mm-hmm. all over the board yeah absolutely yeah. uh yeah, it was pretty crazy. I I think even Meat Puppets might have had. Uh-huh. Or no, maybe. No. Nirvana just played a Meat Puppets Nirvana, song. Yeah, That's of what course. it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Territorial Pussy's like, uh, I like that that it's a little bit of harder edge song. That's kind of what, what I love about Nirvana is that they can get really, really crazy and then really surprise you mm-hmm, when they're mm-hmm. like slow and like really pretty and like melodic mm-hmm. <laughs> and um but like for some reason when i was revisiting this album like i didn't remember like the quote-unquote secret track that was on it endless nameless <laughs> i remember the name of the song but i i don't know why either like i when i had it on cassette i might might have just stopped it after something in the way or you know we were doing some research and apparently like the first version of the album didn't have the secret track although i doubt that that was the version i had yeah like now i want to go back and like look at the 
CD I have and see if it ha- was on there. Apparently, it was only on the first 20,000 or so Yeah, pressings. something like that. They left it off by mistake, and then... Um, but I don't remember. I mean, it must have been on the road. There's and no yeah, way that I was been. like one of the first 20,000. Yeah. I just can't imagine No, that. I can't imagine myself either. You know, um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure I bought it at a mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, by well, that time, they were giant. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we were within the first 20,000. Yeah. Within the first 20 million, maybe, not yeah. 20,000. But anyway, I picked that as my skip. Because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> obviously, I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, endless and nameless. It shall be. Oh, yeah. We picked another fun, like a funner album to kind of do. Just kind of silly. Yeah. It came out a couple years after Nevermind. Um, and <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this album. It's actually one of the first albums I ever owned on cassette. I think it was my second purchase. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I want to say it came out in 94. It's Green Day's Dookie. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have lots of memories of this album, but one memory I do have is uh, I woke up early on a Saturday morning once and tried to draw that album cover, oh. which is so elaborate. And I never finished it. <laughs> <laughs> so 25 years later. What made you like, want to draw it? That's so I don't know. I was feeling super creative. Oh, um, okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I never finished I'm it. So. That Green Day inspired you. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought back in the day when I was like 13, 14, that Billy, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong was the coolest I don't know why it's kind of embarrassing now, but I thought he was so cool with his manic panic hair and he would wear like a sweater and he was kind of punk. But at the same time, obviously, it was mainstream alternative type stuff. Um, I don't know. I I was really drawn to him. And I remember the Woodstock performance where he's throwing the mud at people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought he was badass. They were cool. Yeah. And before they were like on MTV hit, they were legit. Yeah, exactly. You know, Um, but you know, going mainstream kind of made them cheesy, even though it was kind of cool that they were like cool for a second. Yeah. I I mean, I do recall buying the album after this, but then I really gave up. And then of course they had that huge single, uh, time of your life, good riddance, which became like a graduation (laughs) song. Um, so weird. That is so weird. And probably soundtrack to a lot of film scores and stuff. I don't know. But anyway, going back to Dookie, I think, um, I'm going to be super basic, but my favorite song on this album is the one that I first fell in love with, which is like maybe the third single from the release, uh, When I Come Around. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember that video watching it on MTV and seeing uh, Billy Joe and, and the rest of the band kind of walking the streets. And I don't know. I just I thought they were so freaking cool. And uh, it's embarrassing now, but I was 13. So yeah. <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I had a hard time kind of picking a repeat from this album. Um, it's not one that I really ever go back to yeah. or have any desire to, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, it was actually kind of hard going back and listening <laughs> to tracks. And, like, listening, like, I, de- I definitely didn't listen to, like, whole songs when I was reviewing this yeah, the yeah. episode. But, like... You know, of course, I remember Longview. That mm-hmm. was probably like the song I listened to the most mm-hmm. um, out of everything. I remember Basket Case. Um, but, you know, it didn't really like stand the test of time for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't go back and like really listen to it um, with genuine like, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, you know. So, in that said, what was your least favorite? 
What was your skip? Um, it, or is it the whole album? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna skip the whole album. <laughs> but if I had to pick one, yeah, I think I would pick the FOD song. Um, and also that weird song. Uh, oh, that, like the, the, their the, secret, their track. secret track, yeah. all by myself. Yeah, that was weird. Um, but uh, I, I looked up what FOD. Oh, what for, does it stand like, for? I couldn't remember if it's. I the, couldn't remember either. Uh, any guesses? <laughs> I have no clue. Give me what. What does the F stand for? Fuck. <laughs> Fuck or die? I don't know. Close. Fuck off and die. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I was like, I didn't know that that was the abbreviation for Fuck Off and Die. It's kind of, uh, in a way, a little ironic because that song is the most timid on the release and mm. has the most aggressive title. Well, I guess that's why they made it an acronym. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they didn't actually go full force. That was also, by the way, my least favorite. That's my skip. Mm. It so stands out as like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, like you said, this isn't an album I really ever go back to, but... um. I definitely don't want to hear like the cheesy, tacky last song acoustic. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like weird to um, how a band like was cool when you're younger and you had like this different perception of it. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older or maybe as their success grows, because mm-hmm. sometimes success kind of um, cheapens the art of an artist yeah. in a way like they maybe lose touch with the reality and they don't know what's cool anymore. Um, or they have different pressures. They have like the ma- major label pressures or whatever, but um, green day, I mean, they became like more of a joke, I think, but I mean, wildly successful. They had the Broadway show for American idiot. I think that's so insane to me that insane. they had a Broadway show like any other band. Like that? Have a Broadway show? Didn't the I don't who, even wasn't know. the Who? No? Well, like, the Who were cool. Yeah, the Who were cool. Like, um, on another level. Not that many. I mean, it's a small pool. But, like, you wouldn't imagine that you wouldn't out imagine of Green all Day. the bands yeah. <laughs> that could possibly <laughs> have a show, it would be Green Day. <laughs> you would have thought it would be Stone Temple Pilots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So in double pilots, holy crap! But um, I do. I remember actually. I had a T-shirt that had the album art of, of Dookie on it, and mm. in the back it had some sort of lyric. Uh, and my mom got it for me at um, an indoor flea market in Brooklyn. I remember just being super into this album, and I even remember that the cassette was like this shade of um, like dark blue. I don't know the the things you remember. It's it's strange, but yeah. especially since it's like twenty five years ago. But um. I cannot listen to this album now. I have no desire to. But at the time, it was a very important album for me. Yeah. It was one that I listened to, like, in my headphones, you know, in my Walkman all the time. I mean, I thought it was, like, um, pretty... I don't know if revolutionary is the word, but I thought it was pretty punk that they had a song about masturbation <laughs> <laughs> that was on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, in a lot of ways, they... They were good in that they were trying to be counterculture, mm-hmm. but it ended up being very, you know, mainstream in a lot of ways. I feel like in a, in a sense, even though I never really think about it, this might have been the beginning of the whole like mall punk mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Where afterwards you had bands like Blink-182 yeah. and everyone else that followed suit. The whole like weird pop punk explosion yeah. happened. Y- like yeah. very California-y. 
kind of bands. Um, you're right. <laughs> like was, a lot of them. Uh, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, so many bands that like maybe even were influenced by those bands that came out then and then like are just awful um, nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of music in general, I think, from the mid and late 90s that was played heavily on alternative radio that is, looking back, just terrible. Yeah. I mean, Smash Mouth, <laughs> Third oh Eye gosh. Blind, yeah, <laughs> uh, Matchbox 20. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so many. Seven Mary 3. Uh, so many bands <laughs> with numbers. Uh, there were just, there's a lot. Train. There was so much <laughs> terrible stuff. I mean, whoever um, Everclear, whoever Eve influenced Six. Limp Bizkit, they should yeah. they should not be. <laughs> like, that should not have been a thing. No, but it was. There was like the whole like weird rap uh, oh, rock yeah. thing. Yeah, that was, that was going like on right around the millennium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was super not into that. At no, all. no, no. Um, and uh, I don't know other bands that I bet um, other people would clock me for, like mentioning like Good Charlotte. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Not into the Madden Brothers. No, sorry. No. <laughs> um, kind of going full circle. I feel like one of those guys tried to make a name for himself in the New York early two thousand scene mm. as what, like a photographer what? or something. Yeah, no way. photographer. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't well, know. these it's, days it's, anyone can be a photographer. Well, that's true. That's true. It's like um, give the right Instagram filters and, <laughs> and you know apps on your phone. Right. Exactly. It's all about the filter. Yeah. Um. But like, oh, filters another band from that oh. time period. <laughs> that's pretty atrocious, dude. Though I I had filter on vinyl. First off, okay. The album with Hey Man, Nice Shot. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, like. Um, it was probably the only album I had on vinyl when I was in high school, and I was a very like um, I was a very emo kid, like you know, mm-hmm. like I was very like, you know, introverted, like sad, whatever kid, and so like anytime my parents and my parents never let me do anything, and so anytime I was like mad at my dad or something, I would put on put on filter. filter. <laughs> Turn the volume up really loud. Oh my god! And that would be like my rebellion. <laughs> and I think back on it now, it's so embarrassing to think about. But like, there's something about. Um, I mean, was it called "Hey Man, Nice Shot"? That was the big single. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. And "Take a Picture" was like a more mellow track. That was a single. No, I would, I would put on "Hey Man, Nice Shot" <laughs> and just like put on full blast. And I, like that was me being like rebellious. <laughs> I think my rebellion album was, uh, and this is also incredibly embarrassing. And we've touched upon this act in a previous episode, but Marilyn Manson Antichrist Superstar. Oh wow! When I was fifteen, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, when that was Peter- probably like a lot of people's yeah rebellion album. Yeah. He's so iconically rebellious. Yeah, particularly at that time, I yeah. feel when he was really breaking. There was like big nothing way. like Marilyn Manson at the time that got so that big. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I mean, he was doing like the weird, like blurry gender lines even and like the makeup and, and then just how, how quiet he was in like real life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And incredibly intelligent. Yeah. You know? Smart. Um, Yeah. That was an interesting time. 
But you know what? I if I heard the beautiful people out, I think that's still a good song to dance to. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie. You know what? Actually, I heard out a couple. This has been a couple years now, but um, I feel like it's along the same vein in terms of like that kind of darker, maybe metal inspired, whatever alternative sound. Was White Zombie more human than human? Oh. <laughs> and that actually is still is fun to dance to. I heard that very randomly, and um, I was kind of feeling it. <laughs> so that's it for episode four of Mixtape Memories. Thanks for tuning in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we will be back shortly with episode five. And uh, thanks again. Bye. Thanks. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.